I feel like sometimes that makes you slip into comparison mm-hmm. when you're just over consuming, over watching, over admiring, over right. involved in what everyone else has going on. You'll always live in a state of FOMO and you'll always feel like you're behind. Oh, yeah. And you have to go at your own pace because like you're running your own race. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward Copeland. And in Edward case, J. Copeland, by okay. the way. Do you want to give everyone your social as well? No, no, it's just my government name. <laughs> In case you are new to the Push Podcast, we want to welcome you and let you know that we recently started recording the Push Podcast on and posting it on YouTube. So yeah. if you feel like interacting with us and seeing our faces, uh, now I have to actually do my hair. You don't which have to. Sucks. I don't have to, but you don't have to. I have yeah. for the last two episodes. Right. So. You but it's, it's not necessary. I don't do You're my right. hair. Next time you see me, I probably won't have my hair done. So <laughs> I don't have the luxury of not having any hair. But I don't know that that's a luxury when you're a woman, though. So anyways, welcome to episode number 78 of the Push Podcast. We're going to be talking to you today about six success tips for small businesses. But we have 18 of them that we often share. We just don't have time to go over all 18 of them with you. So if you want to go to... Uh, thepushpodcast.com or click the link below. We'll make sure that we link all 18 of them. Mm -hmm. But we have time to talk about six of them today. And then in talking, we realized they're not really just business tips. So even if you don't own a business, please stick around because we do think that these are going to be really impactful for living a great life and helping you push through. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about like business tips per se is business tips are like lifestyle tips. Right. Because if you're an entrepreneur, you as the person have to have a certain level of evolution, mm-hmm. have a sub- certain level of growth in order to be successful at it. So um, so these these principles and these ideas are, are definitely for the, the person that does not have it, their own business. Awesome. So um, before we dive in, though, I want to talk to you about the Push Podcast listener of the week. Okay. Would you like to know who it is? <laughs> yes. So this is Russell Rusco who wrote this to us. And I'm kind of paraphrasing because he wrote this long email that made us cry and it was super amazing. And so we just want to thank all of you who take the time to write a review for the Push Podcast, who leave comments. This is something that really helps us continue on the journey to help other people grow and push through difficult things in life. So we're happy to be able to do this with you. And we're really happy when we know that we've made an impact on someone. Yeah. To give a little context, you know, in the summer when we were going through all this social and racial injustice, we thought really long and hard about like, is the Push Podcast the platform that we really want to have these discussions And when Eddie and I decided to start the Push Podcast, the reason we wanted to have it was because we wanted to pretend that we had friends over for a backyard barbecue 
And these are conversations that we would be having with people that we loved. Absolutely. And I think that when you think about our, the world we live in and that we have to coexist and we're all very much interdependent on one another, it, it would be irresponsible for us not to talk right. about it. Right. So there was an episode, I can't remember the name, but it was uh, titled, You're Not Supposed to Be Here. And it was about an incident we had that turned into a racial thing, a racial conversation we had with our kids. And we, I thought, I don't know if I want to share this. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if this opens up a different conversation that I don't know people will appreciate. And so we decided to just do it anyways, because again, this is from our heart. These are things that we go through as a family. And these are things that we are discussing with our friends and family who are close to us. And we're things that we think help make the world a better place. And if damn it, this is our to, podcast. We right. talk about what the hell we want to talk about. So we put this these episodes out there, uh, not sure of you know what the response would be. And so shout out to Russell Rusco, who took the time to listen to me explain that in a previous episode. Here's what he wrote. He said, Eddie and Janelle, my aunt, Carrie Shelley, who's one of your Passionate Profit students, introduced me to your podcast. And I've listened to quite a few episodes since discovering you last year. I recently listened to you. You aren't supposed to be here. Uncomfortable conversations with the Copelands. And she called Eddie the N-word. I wanted to reach out to express what I've learned from listening to you both and share the admiration and respect I have for you and your family. I was born and raised in Orange County, and now I reside in Maryland. My father left me when I was born, and I was left with just my mom for the majority of my life. My biological father was from Spain, and he was predominantly Spanish and also Native American. My mom is Irish and Polish, but due to him being absent, my mom raised me in a white household, and I never really got to experience my other heritage. I'm also very white passing, so nobody would even ever guess that I have other heritage to begin with. Thankfully, my mom raised me to have lots of love in my heart for everybody, regardless of their cultural differences or different walks of life. However, that didn't mean that I was devoid of white privilege or that I didn't benefit from white privilege. Here's where you both come in. For 25 years of my life, I've never really taken a step back to reflect on having white privilege or even noticing if I did which is pretty much showing my white privilege right there. I got along with mostly everyone and didn't use the color of their skin to define how I felt. I'm now 26 and I have been in one of the best relationships I could have ever asked for with my 6'4 black boyfriend, Dom. Shout out to Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Being in an interracial relationship has pushed me to personally um, be more open and learn about the issues presented in our society, particularly within different minority groups. It took Dom and I some time to find a common ground to work from, but I can honestly say without a doubt that you both, along with your daughters, have really helped me understand more about the Black community, the daily struggles, the injustices, and the different mindsets that a Black person needs to adopt that white people don't have to think about. This has helped me to better understand my boyfriend and allow us to have stronger and healthier resolution within our conversations. To summarize, I'm sorry that there are still inequalities within our nation, but I can promise both of you that through listening to your podcast, I can now better educate my family and friends who are unable to see the bias and ignorance that still exists. Aside from your podcast on social injustices and race, I also want to say that I deeply respect and admire how motivated you both are and dedicated to growth. Honestly, I strive to one day have that strong direction and drive in all aspects of my life. And so I'm slowly working to find my groove. You both are wonderful people and your motivation and passion are infectious. 
I appreciate you both and believe you deserve to hear it. I'm sure others will say the same. Thank you so much, Eddie and Janelle. Cheers, Russell Rusco. Isn't that super sweet? That's su- super awesome. I love, I it. love it. So thank you so much, Russell. If- and that's and, and, and that's the essence. <laughs> that's why we have these conversations. And and, and so often, and, and I got to say that those conversations that we have, probably we've got the most feedback right. on. Uh, and people have talked about how it, it impacted them and how they were able to take on another perspective that they never, ever even considered. Right. And that's what it's about. I mean, I think that we we get so caught up in, you know, choosing sides and, and really the rhetoric of our nation. But really what it's really about is about how do we get to a level of understanding? How do we get to a place where we have a common ground to certain things that require a common ground, mm-hmm. like like equality? Like we have to have the same definition for equality. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. Right. Right. And so I think that that that's that's just a, that letter is a testament to that when things come up, when when the world is is in shambles, so, so to speak, I think we need to make sure we, we talk about it and we give a perspective that helps people push through. So, yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, one, I took out so much of what he wrote. <laughs> and so I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to invest in providing feedback like right. so often. As business owners, we work really hard to create things that we literally have no idea if our customers or our listeners will love or enjoy. And so, you know, every now and then a good pat on the back feels really good. (laughs) And so I want to encourage you, if you are trying to build a business, if you're trying to build a following and you're pouring your heart out uh, into your product or service or social media account, whatever it is that you are showing up for consistently, just know that that's part of the game is like you don't really know that you're making an impact unless people take time to occasionally provide feedback. Right. Yeah. And the feedback has been amazing, especially the last couple of weeks. We've been getting a lot of uh, messages and emails. And so that's just one that's really, really great. Yeah. So, Russell, we are sending you and Dom a pusher shirt for being um, an avid listener. Oh. So there you have it. Eddie Eddie reps these pusher shirts all the time. So without further ado, though, because we do have 18 success tips we talk about a lot, we're going to power through six of them. And then again, if you guys want the full list of 18, you can go to JanelleCopeland.com or click on the pushpodcast.com or the comments. It'll be somewhere. Trust me, we have tons of stuff to, you can even Instagram message us at Janelle Copeland at Cope with Eddie. And we're happy to send you all 18 of the success tips. So without further ado, <laughs> want to start with one? Yeah, I was going to start with one. I was going to do a one in the world, but you, oh, you went it. right into Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Wait, so you got a message the other day that I thought... <laughs> Are we doing this? Yes. Oh, so your what in the world is actually about me then? Well, yeah, because obviously you are a taker in a relationship. And not I can't a believe you're doing this. Explain, give context. All right. So um, the other night, so Janelle was like going through her messages and I, and we're all of a sudden, hanging out on we're the hanging sofa. on the sofa, hanging out, chilling. And all of a sudden I see her kind of just like, I'm going <laughs> to. I, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm not going to mention the person's name, but so basically, she said, "I'm getting ready to get in an argument with someone." And I was like, "What?" Yeah. It's never... just like unlike us. You've never right. heard me say that, right? And <laughs> I received a text message that I was like, "What in the world?" 
I'm still perplexed about this situation. And so why you're bringing it up right now on national podcast television, right. I have no clue. Because I think it's so important because this person, I think you've done a lot and we've done a lot to try to support and help. And, you know, and I'm not saying we did, you know, we've changed this person's life yeah. by any means. Right. But you have reached out to this individual to invite them to, to different things, to include them. Because one of the things that you, if you don't know already, Janelle is an includer. Like, oh, if there's absolutely. something going on, she wants to get as many people as possible to partake in it, which is a, just shows her wonderful, gigantic heart. Well, I'm like, me, the, on the other hand, I'm like, uh. yeah, he's like, <laughs> if you didn't hear about this event, I don't know what to tell you, but I bought my ticket and I'll be here. I will call that the only child syndrome. <laughs> yeah. So, and with me, years. I'm like, oh, my God, everybody should know about this right. new book, right. you know. And so, for example, Clubhouse. <laughs> Clubhouse is something I've yeah. been talking about. I haven't told everyone they should be on Clubhouse, but I do tell people that have businesses that are any sort of influencer, right. that are any sort of teacher, anybody who has a voice that I feel is worthy of, you know, other people listening to. I'm like, yo, you need to be on Clubhouse. Right, like, right. That's me doing a service for you because I know that it can be beneficial for me and I want to help you. Right. <laughs> so I do this often. Like, this is not like a new thing. Like, if I'm at the car wash and someone mentions something and I'm like, oh, I have a great book for that, I will probably bring you my book tomorrow. Like, I just right. do this all the time, right? So to set it up, we're sitting on the couch and... One, I had reached out to someone and invited them to Clubhouse. Just like, hey, oh my God, are you on? You should be on. Here you go. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm hosting a Clubhouse on XYZ topic. Maybe you want to come on my stage and talk. That's the equivalent of me hosting an event and then asking you to be a speaker. Like you literally are giving someone the stage. The opportunity. Right. Right. To share your message. Your t <laughs> I don't have to share. Right? It's, good, it's good exposure for you. Right. It's great practice. So you wouldn't it's, normally it's, share, but I would, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so this person sends me a message, though. Like, I had given them a couple of opportunities to, like, hey, I'm sharing this. I'm sharing this. And I'm not joking, but I got a message and it says, oh, I'm starting to see that I'm your when I need something friend. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing like that? Because that's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that, like, you needed them more than they needed you, in a sense. But who says that? Like, I just, if I have felt like that many times where, right. I mean, my sister calls all the time. Sis, what about this? What did, I'm, I don't feel like taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like she only calls me when she needs me. But that's probably true. I call her when I need her. She calls me when I need her. Like, that's just how relationships it's, work. There's some relationships that function that way. Right. Where like, hey, we have this relationship where the things you do for me, I do. there's things I do for you. And But then you have relationships where right. it's like, hey, I feel like I'm always helping you out, which I don't expect anything for. But when you then send me a message telling me that I, you think that you're the friend that I reach out to when I need something, I'm like... What in the world? <laughs> so Zendel goes on this. I said, wait, I'm she sorry. Goes down the rabbit wait, hole. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. What do you mean that I only reach out when I need you? And this person said, well, yeah, you know, it's understandable, you know. And I was like, hold on. And she said, literally go back and read your text messages and you'll see you reach out when you need something. <laughs> so I go back and I read my text messages. And just to give you context, like, this is why I think you're so triggered by it. Cause like a year ago I had $2,000 tickets to a personal um, mm -hmm. development conference 
And I literally invited her. I, I said, hey, what are you doing on this date? Do you want this ticket? Right. Eddie can't go. It's a right. last minute thing. It's a $2,000 ticket I paid for. <laughs> Happy to give it to you if you can get the time off and be away from your kids. Right. So that was the first one. Then the next message I saw, because she said, go through your text messages. So I'm like, okay, then I invited you to Clubhouse. Then I invited you on my stage. Then I invited you, like, I said, I'm sorry, I'm really confused. And at that point, that's when I said, I think I'm going to get into an argument. <laughs> and he was like, what? With who? And I saw him reading it, and he's laughing so hard. And I'm genuinely concerned, <laughs> like, what? I'm like, read this. Where yeah. did I ask for anything? Just take, take, take. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's so, it's so the so reason. So why is that you're wet in the world? Because it's because I thought because having some proximity to the situation, I kind of know, like, no, that's not that's not the case at all. Okay, right? I've and given not, business advice. Yeah, like, and, yeah, and you have been there to consult and all those different things. So I knew that that wasn't the case. But it was just one of those things where you sit there, and you go, human beings will develop a narrative that really like affirms or fits this whatever they need in that right. time, right? And so this person, for whatever reason, felt that they were in a position that you kept wanting something from them, which I'm which still is, confused by though. Right. So all the invites were like, she wants me to do a favor and take this ticket from her. She wants me to do her a favor and go on her stage. When does that work, though? I, but that is why we're so di people are so different. It's just that very. You find this comical? I, I, oh, it was hilarious to me because I was sitting there going, "Oh wow!" Like literally, she has a totally different version. That's like of a the cake mama customer taking the time to write a view and a review and just say, "Like you're so selfish that you keep making these delicious cupcakes every day for me." Mm -hmm. I I don't. I'm sorry. What? Like I I'm offering. Hey, we've got this bakery. Come buy this stuff, but right. you don't have to, right? But then don't tell me I'm being selfish by taking from you. <laughs> I don't know. I was just genuinely confused. And I can't believe you brought it up because I would have not spoken about that. But you found it highly well, I, entertaining. I found it entertaining. But it's also another good lesson that you can't assume that people see the world the way you do. And no matter what you do, whether you're giving to someone, whether you are in, in a place of service, you never know how they're receiving it. Yeah. Like never. She, literally, she was taking this person. I don't know. <laughs> this person was taking your acts of service and your acts of servitude as like favors. Right. Right. I'm, oh, I'm, you want me to do it? You're asking me for a favor to take these tickets. You're asking. And so I don't know how that person got there. I don't even know. And I haven't wrapped my head around the psychology of what would flip that to that person. I don't either. But it, it just was a very interesting thing. And so as we get into these success tips for business, um, the one thing I would tell you is you got to make sure make sure you got the right narrative going. Like make sure you're seeing the world. There's another the, bonus tip. <laughs> yeah, make sure you're seeing the world in the most accurate way possible. Uh, and the only way you know that is by having some clear communication. Like, and I don't know. I was wrapping my brain around like, how do you clarify that? Like, she's thinking. And I did. I went back and clarified, and I said, you know, I took your advice, and I did go back through our long <laughs> list because I am genuinely concerned, and I right. said that. I'm genuinely concerned as to how you would think that I would ask you for anything in any of these messages. Like, are we reading the same messages? Because I, I'm wondering, did you improperly send this to me, Janelle Copeland? And she's like, no, you know, you asked me to do this. I'm like, right. no, I invited you. Yeah. What? I don't. Asking and inviting is differently. And I was just so confused. So. 
Well, Anyways. I mean, it, but it, it now it makes you think, because you started to go down that hole of saying, I mean, I wonder how who else thinks, who else do I have a relationship that they may think that? Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, if I contact some a friend of mine, do they say, oh, Eddie only calls when he wants something, right? And but I don't have that with anyone. I know, like, I know, but that's, but it was a lesson to say, you never know. Right. You never know how someone is receiving your acts of, of kindness or if anything. Anything. Like I was on a coaching call today. It wasn't even a coaching call. It was just a new friend that I had made. Right. And I was like, would you like some advice? I mean, I have some perspective to share. And she's like, oh my God, yes. So right. if anything, I find myself often like, hey, I can help with that. But do you want that? Because I don't want to overstep my right, boundaries. Right. So to hear that, like, oh, you're only reaching out to me when you need something. I'm like, what? Yeah. I just, I don't, I never, I don't need anybody. Let's be like, Jordan said the other day, she goes, when I get older and have a relationship, because I said, what do you know about boys to be true? Mm -hmm. And she said, I know that I should pick a boy that I want, but not that I need. Mm. And she said, yeah, like, you know, you don't need dad, but you, you like him. I like having you around, (laughs) right? It's a benefit, (laughs) but I don't need anybody. Right. So I was confused. (laughs) Anyways. Well, uh, yeah, so that was... The what in the world, but we could jump right into it. And I think there's a lesson in there. I just haven't figured out yet what it well, is. Well, here's number one. Be the boss of your own time. So being the boss of your own time, for me, this has come up quite frequently in the last few weeks. I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, as you guys know, and everybody wants like the secret sauce to like being an entrepreneur, starting a business, juggling it all. Mm-hmm. And I would just tell you like being the boss of your time is setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and understanding what your responsibilities and your values are and then creating a business that's in alignment with your responsibilities and your values. Yeah. And what's so interesting is that we were having a what in the world conversation, but that person, like there may be an issue when it comes to boundaries and thinking that people are constantly taking from them because they don't own their own time. Right. And so maybe she was stepping into her power saying like, hey, I'm just expressing the fact that I think you're taking advantage. (laughs) Where are you going with that? No, what I'm saying is it's like, if you own your own time Mm -hmm. and you're clear with your boundaries and you're clear with the things you will do and you won't do, then I think that you don't get into a place where you feel like someone can take advantage of you because you're constantly owning it. Right. You're putting yourself in a position that you can say no and not feel bad about it of saying, hey, no, I won't do that, but I will do this. Right. I will. I will take this time to to hang out with you, but I won't do these other things. Right. And I think that that is owning your time, because when you're giving yourself to someone, that's what you're giving is your time. Yeah. And we did an episode not too far back about boundaries in a relationship. Those same boundaries apply for, you know, a business. But what I'm trying to say is recently I've been experiencing a lot of frustrated business owners who are saying, you know, like I'm doing everything I can in my business and then I'm trying to also do the homeschooling for the kids and I'm also juggling these orders and trying to find new customers. And I just want to tell you, one of the main reasons why people start a business is so they can get out of the rat race and off of the hamster wheel, right? Right, right? And so when you're creating a business, I think it's important to sit down with your schedule and say, okay. Uh, If I have three kids that are homeschooling during a pandemic right now and they need my help from 8 a.m. until noon, I can't really do any business during that time. Right. That's going to open you up to just like, hey, I got to be present. My kids are important. It's that's going to like kind of stop you from getting into a place where you're overcommitted and you can focus on what's important, which is your kids from 12 to 4 or 12 to noon. What I say, 8 to noon. Right. 
And then let's say from 12 to 4, the kids have to do homework. They have to eat. You need to make dinner. You have to do laundry. Whatever the case may be, then you also can't work 12 to 4, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got 8 to 12, got to be with the kids. 12 to 4, got to do home duties, whatever it is. Then maybe when the kids go to bed, that's when your business starts. Mm -hmm. So if that's only a couple of nights a week and that's only a couple of hours a day, then you might only have 10 hours to be able to focus on your business. If that's the case, then you need to come up with 10 hours worth of productive work so that you're not out searching for 300 customers when really you can only take two. Yeah, and I think what also goes to that is is what you're outlining is a process or a system in which you approach your work uh, where you are following the process, not with not emotionally reacting to what you right. think you need to do. Because a lot of times when when you're running a business, you can be emotionally stressed about, oh my God, I got to do this advertising thing. But you know the priority is I got to manage these customers. I got to right. manage what's going on next week. But your emotions will push you in all the different directions. And so having a process that you follow Kind of like when you work a nine to five, mm-hmm. the structure that's provided there for you is the structure that's probably going to give you the most focus. Right. So being a boss of your time is understanding if you have a nine to five, then you have a nine to five. Right. right. So figure out how to carve out some time within your week that doesn't make you feel so heavy and drained and tired and overworked because The thing about business is it requires stamina. Mm -hmm. And I have recently just come across so many people that are like their tanks on empty. They're super overworked. And then when you ask them, like, how did you get here? They're just like, I need more, more, more. And you're searching for more, but really you can't handle what you already have. So that's my first tip for success is be the boss of your own time. And I love that. I think that's great. I think that when you do that really well, you become very planful. I think that, um, and then when you get really good, I know that, Many people, I know I still I struggle with this is is when you don't have a nine to five uh structure, structuring yourself and putting things into place. And you almost have to do that at your best state when you're thinking the most clear. You say, okay, this is what it's gonna be that I'm gonna do. But I think that what happens is now you have to maximize the time, especially when you have kids and all these other things. Yeah. How do you maximize and get the most out of the the five to six hours that you have that big makes the biggest impact? Uh, and then this other concept is is when you start to see business going, like you can outsource some of the things that you think that would take away your time, like right. having someone take care of your kids, having someone do uh, your laundry, do your laundry. Like that is owning your time. It's like okay, I would rather pay someone instead of spending that time because I know my, my time is precious. Right. And when we first started with the bakery, that was like the first thing I need to earn enough money so that someone can come clean my house. Because if I'm working seven days a week, like the last thing I want to do is do chores on the one day off that I have with my family. Right. So that was like our biggest thing. Like, how could we earn money so that we don't have to do these things? A hundred percent. And I did that in the bakery, too. How could we earn enough money so that I don't have to lug home all this laundry and wash these towels at home? I need to hire a linen service. Right. So when you get to the point where you're overwhelmed, being the boss of your time means that you're trying to figure out what things you can let go and release that perfectionism, which is a whole nother episode in itself. So moving on to step number two, which I think directly ties in uh, tip number two, stop comparing yourself to others. I know it sounds super simple, but let me tell you how that can get you in trouble um, to tie into you being the boss of your own time. You see people winning on TikTok. You see people winning on Clubhouse or on Instagram. So you start to kind of spiral down this comparison trail of 
man, if I just posted more frequently, if I just took better pictures, if I just did this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. then I would be better off in my business. Right. And oftentimes that gives you like overload syndrome in itself, right? So you're seeing these other people and seeing what they're doing. And part of that is required in business. You need to pay attention to what works so that way things aren't so difficult. But I think that comparison's really scary because you'll always feel a sense of FOMO. You're always missing out on something when you say no to social media right now because I have to be focused on my kids or something at home. Yeah, I mean, and to me, I think comparison is is an energy drain. It's mm-hmm. an energy suck. I think that you take your eyes off of what's important to your business or what you need to be ideating around the things that are important to you. And you place your energy and your focus on someone else's outcomes. And the fact of the matter is, is comparison is a blind act, Mm -hmm. right? You're only seeing a one-dimensional perspective of someone else's outcomes, not necessarily with the worth they're putting in, not necessarily all the takes that they took to make a video, not necessarily all the the years they put in before they got there. You're taking that one-dimensional perspective and then you're you're judging yourself based off of that blind act. Mm-hmm. And so you're taking a blind you act. all the steps. Right, right. And so you, it's like a judge trying to to manage a courtroom, but is not listening and is not seeing all the perspectives mm-hmm. to make sure that there's a fair case that's being, you know, preceded. So I think that's a, a big thing that all business owners need to really, and all people, period. Yeah. Like you need to look at, and I, we always say, trade your your comparison and your envy that comes along with that with admiration, mm-hmm. right? When you see someone do something special, it's great to admire it. It's mm-hmm. great to be inspired by it. And then parking lot and it. Then, and say, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm sure they worked really hard to do that. Now I know I got to do my own stuff mm-hmm. to get my own st- to place so the other people are admiring what I do or are inspired by the things that you put into the world. When I say parking lot it, I mean, like, let's be real. There's podcasts you can listen to. You can watch YouTube videos. You can be consumed and overwhelmed with all of the things you should be doing in your business, right? right? But tying it back into be the boss of your time, I feel like sometimes that makes you slip into comparison mm-hmm. when you're just over consuming, over watching, over admiring, over right. involved in what everyone else has going on. You'll always live in a state of FOMO and you'll always feel like you're behind. Oh, yeah. And you have to go at your own pace because like you're running your own race, you know? Yeah. And it, it also, I think when you get so Im- immersed in someone else's world and what they're doing, the the thing that makes you special, the thing that makes you unique is your authenticity. And you start to trade that because you're trying to mimic what you think a success looks like, or you're trying to skip ahead to an, a level that maybe you haven't done the work to get to. Right. And so I think you got to stay in your own lane. You got to stay close to what you're doing. And I think that that's where you'll get your best results. Okay. That leads me to tip number three, because you said stay in your own lane, which is realize that you're signing up for something extremely hard. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the whole running your own race, we hear that often, but your journey is going to be harder mm-hmm. than the person's journey who you're trying to copy or watch next to you if you don't stay course and run your own. Right. Because you're watching all of the things that they're doing and trying to also fit it in your life, which creates overwhelm, FOMO, you know, all these things. But it's already supposed to be hard, so you don't right. need to complicate it more. <laughs> no, not right? a, no. And so absolutely. what do we mean when we say like it's already supposed to be hard? Because some people would say, oh, business doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy, simple, and fun. 
I think that the reason why that's so important is because you have to get the mindset of saying that this is going to be hard. I'm going to have sleepless nights. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be broken down. Certain things are not going to work. It will feel like you're failing sometimes. And I think a lot of times, especially now when people get those those bumps in the roads and that discomfort, they think that that's a sign to back off and right. move away from it mm-hmm. instead of leaning in and embracing all of those things and saying, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. I think that that's super important. But also I think was when I hear that tip of, of realizing that you're signing up for something extremely hard, I think it's also speaks to the part of saying, be prepared for the challenge, mm-hmm. right? And so like, if I know I'm going to do a hard workout or like when we used to be doing insanity, I knew it was going to be hard. There's a certain mindset. But if you switch the video and you put like something that let's just say I was preparing for it to be easy mm-hmm. and then you switch the video and say, oh, no, we're going to do max out cardio. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, I got to get my mind ready for that. Because yeah. <laughs> right. like, quitting and endurance really comes down to how you approached it. Like if you knew it was going to be hard, like there's a mental fortitude that you kind of build saying, OK, I know I got to get through this. Yeah. But if I wasn't ready, oh, my God, like. So you're talking about Shanti's insanity, (laughs) but business is insanity in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of tie into the whole like sports and fitness analogy you're using, I always tell people like understand that like starting a business is kind of like being an amateur basketball player. You're going to miss a lot more shots than you're actually going to make. And that's just what business is. It's about experimentation. It's about learning. It's about practice. It's about showing up. It's about working with your team. It's about learning new skills, running different drills. And that doesn't ever stop, regardless of what level you're at in business. The last thing you want to be is surprised that this shit was so hard. Right. Because that's going to bring a lot of quit. Yeah, so we're not <laughs> telling you like, oh, this shit is so hard. You should rethink. We're telling you, hey, sis, like get your mindset right. Because if you think you're signing up for ballet class and it winds up being insanity, <laughs> super crazy hip hop, cardio on steroids, Zumba. Right. You're going to be disappointed. Like, why didn't anyone tell me? And so we are telling you <laughs> that it's going to be a difficult workout, but it's not something that you can't do. Right. Period. A hundred percent. All right. So number four, what got you here won't get you there. Tell the people. I love that. You know, what what got you here won't get you there is so important because that's progress. Mm -hmm. Right. And we make strides and we move forward in life uh, when it comes to the things that we're trying to accomplish, especially within the business. But then, like I always tell people, the next step is, are you willing to abandon what worked for what you need to do next? Yep. And I think that w- w- a lot of times people want to hold on to, this is my my w- winning recipe. This is what works for me. And a lot of times that won't work for you going to the next level. Right. And and you get stuck. And then yeah. before you know it, you go on, you're searching for answers and you don't know what to do next. So the perfect example of that is, you know, we work with lots of bakers. They have started from home in most cases. They've developed these recipes. Maybe they were their grandmother's mm-hmm. recipe or something. And then they're like, I know how to do this in my sleep. And I'm the only one that can do this. And it's perfect when I do it. I don't even need to follow a recipe, but I'm damn sure not sharing my recipe. Right. Well, that got you to the point of where you're at in your business. But if you're trying to create a scalable business and help hundreds and thousands of customers, you need help. So holding on to the belief of, oh, I have to be careful and secretive with all of the stuff that I know is not going to help you get to the next level. 
So, so often when we're coaching, we tell people like, we only want you to sign up for our coaching programs if you are truly coachable, meaning you're willing to let go of everything you think you know. Like we don't want to work with people who are like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. Oh yeah, I've done that. Know how to do that. Got that. No, we need you to come in green, ready to grow and listen to new ideas because what got you here is not really going to usually get you here. Yeah, and, and we always tell the story about the Cake Mamas. Like the Cake Mamas was a, a custom cake bakery mm-hmm. and it got the Cake Mamas to a place where you're able to open up a brick and mortar business, mm-hmm. but it wasn't going to be what was going to la- bring you long lasting success right. and, and, and duration for the business. It needed to shift and it needed to pivot and change. But so often when we talk to people, they go, oh, I only want to have a business that's, that's exclusive. I want to be an right. appointment only or I want to only be able to do this or I right. only want to do custom you know, uh, woodwork. And you think all the different things that can narrow you to a place where you may stifle your own growth simply because you're not willing to change with the marketplace. Right. And so I want to challenge you if you are that person that says, but this is what I love. This is how I want to do it. I'm only going to do it if I'm passionate about it. That word passion gets like thrown around so loosely. So I highly suggest if you're one of those people who uses the things, the, the word passion, um, you need to go back and listen to episode number seven, the pressure of finding your passion. Right. Because running a business, like we told you, is going to be slightly difficult. You can't just think it's going to be roses all the time. And you can't think that you can only do what you're passionate about because you have to listen to the customers. Like you're literally building a business. If you want it to grow and be scalable, you're building something that is solely based on feedback, mm. period. So when I moved into the community where I opened the Cake Mamas, yes, I wanted to focus on art and just do custom cakes, but the community told me they wanted a local bakery where they could bring their kids after school and get them a $5 treat. So I had to listen to the community. If I would have been hell-bent on, well, my passion is only to create art, I'd be out of business. Right, you'd be a passionate, broke baker. Right, so we (laughs) don't want you to do that. But you know what's so interesting is that this this plays out in large scale as well. Like Most people don't know that Amazon, 60% of their profit and revenues come from online services, not from the Amazon store. Right. So all the packages that come to your door, all that stuff is great for them. Right. But they they invested in online services, which like when we run our courses, it's Amazon is the reason why you're able to handle when your your site blows up. And someone says, hey, you know, makes you really popular. And all of a sudden you go from a thousand people checking out your website to a hundred thousand. Amazon's the reason why you have the capability of doing that. But people don't know that. Yeah. Right. And so. It's so important. And when Janelle says feedback, it's feedback not only from the customer, but it's also feedback when things are not working. It's telling you, okay, it's time to move. It's time to change. It's trying to modify. You got to listen to the feedback you're getting in order for you to continue to innovate and and create something new. Yeah, I love that. So number five on the success tips is growth hurts. So uh, you often use the analogy of the seed sprouting, mm-hmm. but I also want to talk about Sarah Blakely from Spinx. So you go first with why does growth hurt? <laughs> well, growth hurts because, and I, and I got this from um, T.D. Jakes, mm-hmm. which he did an amazing job of articulating this. But basically, when you think about planting a seed, mm-hmm. right, a seed is smooth all the way around. And when you plant it in the ground, then you nurture it, mm-hmm. you water it, you give it sun and all those you different give things. You give it love. You give it love. But in order for this the seed to actually grow, something very traumatic has to happen. That smooth shell that you planted eventually has to crack and has to break in order for it to sprout. And then, so that in itself is an analogy of has saying- Has the seed ever sprouted before? 
No, no. it was the first time ever. I'm pretty sure that the sea screams. <laughs> That's <laughs> just painful. It's just painful. But the smooth surface has to break and crack and, and be very traumatic in order for it to have possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you think about like business, you think about your own growth, like when we just talked about like it's going to be hard, you also know it's going to be painful, mm-hmm. right? And because of the pain is the reason why you'll be able to progress and right. move forward. So growth hurts to me. Thank you for that analogy, mm-hmm. Edward Copeland. No problem. You guys can follow him, cope with Eddie. <laughs> Even showing up on TikTok. So you guys go follow Eddie on Try TikTok. Yeah, he does sure. these quick daily pushes. I'm proud of you, babe. Keep pushing. <laughs> so to me, growth hurts brings up Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx, mm-hmm. right? And when we talk about growth hurts, you know, she has many uh, times in her journey to create the Spanx empire, what it is right now. She's like one of Forbes youngest female billionaires. Mm, Right. mm -hmm. And so she talked about like, she only breaks up her business in like two categories. One was like the pre-work of trying to, you know, get past all of the nose of like, no one really believing in what she was talking about or what she was trying to sell or what she was trying to offer all the manufacturing plants that said, hell no, we're not going to make that that stupid pantyhose with no, you know, hose. That's stupid. (laughs) And so she talks about that being the first stage that obviously is painful. Yeah. Right. And then the second stage, she says, was immediately when I got the deal with Neiman Marcus, with Nordstrom, with Saks Fifth Avenue. Right. So she said most people would stop there and say, oh, I finally made it smooth sailing from here. I got my dream clients. I scored these major deals. Right. She said that's the part where I turned on the fun for the second part of my business hurting Mm -hmm. because I knew that I was going to be doing so many things that I had never done before and that it was going to be challenging and painful. Wow. That's powerful, right? right? Right. So she said when Nordstrom said, Neiman Marcus said, yes, we'll carry your garments. She literally went and acted like a customer and wanted to see like, how are people going to notice this? Because Nordstrom made a deal and said, hey, if you, we don't sell X amount, we're pulling it out and you're done. So she was like, I'm watching them. I'm standing there looking like a stalker. And she goes, I realized like they put my stuff not in the hosier or in the hosiery department, but it wasn't hose. Right. Mm. So she started telling people like, hey, you might want to go over there. That dress would look great if this. And then she said at one point she took a picture of like her backside um, in a dress with no Spanx on. And then another picture in the dress with Spanx on. She literally went to Kinko's and laminated it. And then went through Nordstrom and showed every woman like, hey, this is before and after. Look at my butt. Right. Imagine that. Like you just got the biggest deal of your life and you're in here doing customer research to try to figure out how to make this work. She's like, I had no clue what I was doing, but I was willing to do whatever I had to learn and grow. And yeah, that was kind of sloppy and ghetto, but but, it worked. But the story you just said embodies most of what we just talked about. She was willing to say, hey, what got me here is not going to get me there. Absolutely. And so I'm going to have to like roll up my sleeves and get dirty and and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to sell these myself. Right. Just so I can start building that traction and momentum. She then decided to go in with her checkbook and she started basically bribing people like, hey, you know, here's my laminated sheet. I'm showing you these spanks are really cool. Look at my butt. So she was like the sales associate mm-hmm. for this, spending all of her time in these stores that were supposed to be selling her stuff, training the employees, training the customers. And at one point, she was literally writing checks out to customers saying, I want to buy these for you. 
because even though she wasn't making any money, she knew that the name of the game at that moment was, I have to show Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus that my products are moving. Right, right. So if I can sell 10 in a week versus none because I'm not here being a stalker, then I look pretty good on paper. Yeah, and yeah. I just thought that that story was so bananas. Talk about willing like, it to happen. Oh, yeah, that's and huge. I mean, I could go over a million different times where I was like, nope, I'm going to make this happen. So I'm going to do something unheard of. And one of the reasons why we're sharing this is because we want to empower you to think outside of the box and step into the fact that this shit's not cookie cutter. It's not supposed right. to be easy. There's no roadmap. But these things are a roadmap to let you know that, you know, you got to look for the indicators. It's all experimentation. And up to every day of your business, it's really like a hypothesis. Hey, I yeah. think this is going to work. Let's test it. Yeah. And I think if more people spent more time understanding that it's supposed to be difficult, you're supposed to test, you're supposed to practice, show up for the drills, right. then you'd be in a better position. And, and, and I'll say this, and I'll add, because you went there, and you got to be willing to sell yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like sell yourself. I mean, sell Not who like you are. Prostitute. No, but sell who you are, sell what you do, sell your products, because I think she knew there's no one going to be more enthusiastic about my business than me. And I think the reason why it's like it's painful when you get rejection because it's so personal right. at, at that level, right? You you built something that you think, okay, this is I built this and this came from me mm -hmm. and I'm gonna go put this in the world. And when you get hit and when you get told no, it's painful. But when you say, hey, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and I'm gonna go and sell these things like like I'm a door-to-door -door salesperson, that says a lot. Yep. That says a lot to who you are. It says a lot to what you're willing to do. She's not surprised, I don't think, of her success because of the work she put yep. in. You know? And she's so, still doing it. It's pretty awesome. It's so I'm a huge fan. And everybody knows what spanks are. They have guy spanks. Did you know that? Uh, no, I did not. Well, they do. Yeah. Well. Not everybody is lean and fit and trim <laughs> like you. <laughs> All right. And then the sixth tip that we want to share with you guys today is great skills can start a business, but great leadership will keep you in business. Do you want to speak about this? Yeah, I, I think when we talk to a lot of our students and we we help them, one of the things we really want to emphasize is that they have to embrace that they're a leader. Mm -hmm. And leaders are are there to cast the vision of where you're going to be taking your company, where you're going to be taking your business, but also to look around corners and to be ready for and to anticipate if something goes wrong, what to do, if something goes in a direction that maybe you didn't anticipate or maybe you did, that there's a certain level of readiness. Right. And I think leadership and we have tons of books about leadership is one of those things that's ever evolving it's ever changing to a place where because of the social aspect we have of, our, of this world like leaders have to be ready to have many different types of conversations and 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 be able to guide their teams and so i think about leadership when it's a one person show like the spanks lady like that's leadership and yeah. saying hey right now i got to get in front i got to be the doer right. of my business at the same time of, of still keeping the long vision in hand but also with her being able to do that, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to do this by any means necessary. What type of leader do you think she is? What type of employees do you think she attracts? What right. type of expectations do you think that she wants fulfilled from the people that are joining her organization when she grows? Uh, I expect you to match my enthusiasm. Absolutely. I expect you to be out hustling. I expect you to be doing this by any means necessary. That's what we do at this company, right? Right. And so we often, we spend a whole week on this actually in Passion to Profit, our eight-week masterclass. And it's because, you know, look at the areas in your life that you might be struggling in. And we all have those areas, whether it be, 
hey, my house is always a mess. I'm lacking organization. My car is a mess, right? I'm always feeling like I'm behind. I'm late to things. Uh, Things are piling up like emails. If you are a person that is struggling to get ahead just in your regular life, it's likely your business is running the same way. And it's likely that if you did hire employees, you probably would be missing deadlines with them, which would also send the message to them that, oh, we're just kind of a little scatterbrained here and it's okay for me to also miss deadlines. Right. Yeah. So leadership's super important. And you know, the quote is anyone can start a business, but you know, great leadership is going to keep you in business. So remember that as a business owner, you set the tone, you set the pace of how your business is going to grow or stay stagnant. Yeah. So, and, it, and, and I think the biggest way, and the last thing I'll say is, is the biggest thing that destroys a business is poor leadership, is the inability to get the most out of people, whether it be business partners, whether it be team members that you may have on, on your team or employees. Uh, or even the most out of your family, right? And so I think that we both share a leadership role in our family and with our kids to help to get the most out of them. Uh, And not in an ego way, like, hey, I'm going to get you to be really great at something. But how do you create an environment where people can really do their best work, where the people can really do what they think is special? Um, That's leadership. And I think that's why you see successful businesses do well with great leadership. I love it. You're a great leader. I try to be. You're supposed to say you're a great leader. You're, too, oh, honey. you're a great leader as well, honey. <laughs> God, all you do is take from take, this relationship. Take, take. Anyways, if you guys want to hear the full list of all 18 success tips, please head over to thepushpodcast.com. It's thepushpodcast.com. Also, be like Russell Rusco and uh, share this episode with someone you think can benefit. We might send you a T-shirt. And let's see, other than the 18 success tips, um, I do want to let you know that in the next probably four weeks or so, we will be opening up enrollment to our eight-week masterclass, Passion to Profit. It's where we teach you all of the foundational elements that are required to create a lasting and scalable business, everything from creating a brand you don't just pick a logo based on a color to, sales. to building confidence, to putting yourself out there, to being innovative, creative, to managing your inventory, to being a leader. And uh, we're really excited. That's only going to open two times this year. And so we hope that you'll go to JanelleCopeland.com forward slash waitlist to learn all about passion to profit. What, what? That's it. Leave us That's a comment. It. Let us know what you thought of this episode. As always, if you can take 30 seconds to just rate and review this podcast, we would really appreciate it and continue to push through you guys. Thanks so much. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.